I think that my encouragement to all women listening, whatever their vocational calling is and whatever stage of life they're in, is to truly rest in the Lord. When, when you hear Jesus say, come to me, all who need rest, take him at his word. He is delighted in you. He looks at what you're doing and he is, he is pleased with your faithfulness. Um, so just trusting that exchange. We exchanged our sin for Jesus's righteousness. And the Father looks on us and He is delighted with who you and I are. So I just want to encourage every listener to rest in who Christ is and who He's made them to be. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And usually I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Missy Branch. But for this season of the podcast, I'm going solo. For the next several weeks, you'll hear from the contributing authors of our forthcoming book with B&H Publishing entitled, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. Our team prays these conversations are not only encouraging and inspiring, but will also give you a good preview of the book itself as we chat about each chapter throughout the season. You'll also love getting to know our amazing contributing authors whose chapters I had the privilege of editing. Pre-order your copy of Women in Work at the link in the show notes, and thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, we are so happy that you have joined us today. As you know, if you've been following along on the spring season, um, 2023 of the Women in Work podcast, you know that we are featuring all of our contributing authors to the Women in Work book. So today is no exception. We have with us Jen Oshman. Jen, we're so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Courtney. It's great to be with you guys. Awesome. Well, listeners, let me introduce you to Jen. I'll tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll jump into some conversation about her chapter in the Women in Work book. So Jen Oshman has been in women's ministry for over two decades on three continents. So we've got to talk about that, Jen. Um, She is the author of three books, Enough About Me, Finding Lasting Joy in the Age of Self, Cultural Counterfeits, Confronting Five Empty Promises of Our Age and How We Were Made for So Much More, And her most recent is Welcome, Loving Your Church by Making Space for Everyone. Jen also hosts a weekly podcast about cultural events and trends, and it's called All Things. And she is the mother of four daughters. Jen's family currently resides in Colorado, where they planted a church called Redemption Parker. And of course, as I mentioned, she is a contributing author of the Women in Work book, and you can go ahead and pre-order that as well. And so, Jen, um, there's a lot there, um, just even in your bio, but let's, let's let our listeners know, how did we first connect? Do you remember how we first got connected? Well, I think we first met in person at TGCW just last year. That's of right. Course, I had been following Women in Work for a long time before that, listening to the podcast and just appreciating your presence online. Um, honestly, I have pointed women to Women in Work for a long time because there's not a lot out there. Um, related to women and work. So you guys have been a light for me for a long time, but I think it was in person at TGCW when you and I first met. Jen, that is so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, you know, one of our teammates, Erica Blaine, I think is a good friend of yours, right? Yes, she lives yes, there in Colorado. I right. feel like she was the first person to kind of mention your name to us. And we're like, oh my goodness, you know, we knew you were doing amazing things and writing wonderful things. And that's right. When we met at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference, um, 
I just knew I was like, somehow we've got to connect. We've got, we've got to partner together on something. And so I'm so thankful that you came along and were a part of this project. Um, so on all of our seasons of the podcast, we always do our rapid fire questions. Um, and our guests, usually, you know, Missy Branch and I co-host. And so unfortunately this season of the podcast, we just cannot get our schedules to work with these authors. And so, um, it'll just be me today. So Jen, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, my mom was a teacher, so I wanted to be a teacher like her. <laughs> same. I was the exact same. My mom was a teacher. Did you have like a chalkboard at home in your room that you would play school Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I taught those cabbage patches everything they needed to know. <laughs> exactly. And my mom, I wonder if your mom did this. She would give me all her extra worksheets. If she had mm-hmm. any extra, oh, and I would pass it all out. Yes. <laughs> the best. All right. What was your first job? So I think, you know, I babysat like a lot of girls do, but I think for the first job where I got paid and actually had to fill out IRS paperwork, um, I worked for an event planning company and basically I would go into their warehouse and like gather all the plates and the China and the glassware that they would need for an event. And I'd wrap it up and secure it into crates so that it could be delivered to the event. Okay. Well, that sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty random. At least you are kind of in the event space. I mean, that like something's happening here. You're going to a tiny little part of it. (laughs) Well, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you look ahead to when you're 80 years old? Oh, I hope that I am still investing in the church when I am 80. I hope in some way um, I'm just speaking into the lives of other women and that other women are speaking into my life as well. Uh, I love the word of God. I love the people of God. So I hope in some way um, when I'm 80, that is still going on. Okay. So you live in Colorado right now. Tell us about, is that where you grew up? Where did you mostly live most of your adult life even? And briefly, how did you come to faith in Christ? Yeah. So my husband and I are both natives of Colorado, but after we got married, we moved overseas after seminary and having one newborn baby, we moved overseas where we lived in Japan and the Czech Republic. So we lived overseas for about 15 years. Um, We're going on seven years, just over seven years living back in the U.S. So I guess most of my married life and parenting life and adult work life has been overseas at this point. Um, But also my husband and I both, you know, for being in full-time ministry, uniquely, we were not raised in Christian homes. And so um, the Lord used the the context that we were both raised in really to draw us to himself. So when my parents were eight, um, they got divorced. When I was eight, my parents got divorced and uh, my mom took me to church for the first time. And I heard the gospel when I was nine and I believed, Um, and it was really probably in my college years when I actually surrendered to the Lord, you know, between nine and eight. Um, those years were tumultuous in my home life. And so when I went away to college and sort of reflected back on what I had endured as a child, I really cried out to the Lord and asked him for mercy and care. And and he met me in my need as a freshman in college. So kind of a long journey to faith um, and an unexpected one, because I don't come from a Christian home. Um, That foundation wasn't laid and yet the Lord looked on me and rescued me. And I am eternally grateful. Wow. Okay. So it's also interesting to me, were you and your husband, when you met and married, at some point you, you felt a specific call to ministry, I assume. Like you, you surrendered your life to the Lord and God. I mean, you came to Christ, surrendered in college fully. And then at what, how did your call to ministry come about? And then how was that connected to your husband's call and then moving overseas? Because that's a huge call and commitment. And to think you've only been in the United States for seven years Uh, That's, you know, tell us, tell us about that. 
Yeah. You know, it is a wild ride when I, when I think back on it, like that, how did, what did the Lord do there? But so he also came to faith, um, around 18, 19 years old. He too was raised amidst a lot of divorce, abuse, alcohol, and drug abuse. Um, so we both came from tremendous brokenness and we met when I was about 18 and he was about 21 or three years apart. And so when we met, we were like in that season of the Lord really drawing us to himself, you know, asking us to fully surrender all that we are and all that we have to the Lord. And so it was a sweet time to meet. Um, I, you know, I have to confess, I had one one foot in the world and one foot in the church, one foot really still trying to live for myself and one foot trying to figure out how to live for Jesus. So I think it was just that moment where the Lord ordained that we would meet in the midst of that. Um, and we both felt, um, you know, drawn to the Lord, but really at the same time, drawn to a life of ministry. So for us, that surrender to Jesus also was a surrender to a call to overseas missions. And in fact, our wedding invitations reflect that. I forget what they say. We're going on 24 years now, but our wedding invitations say something like, you know, the Lord has called us to be married and to a lifetime of ministry. And so we married this is kind of embarrassing because it's countercultural. I was 20 and he was 23 when we got married. But even then, like we had this overwhelming sense the Lord was calling us to a life of ministry. And by his grace alone, that has remained true. And I pray it, it remains true forever. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, I think it's so encouraging just to hear that both of you kind of came from broken backgrounds, broken homes. I myself, my parents divorced when I was in the fourth grade. And so a lot of brokenness there, um, alcoholism, same in my family. And I think that if someone didn't know your background story, knowing you now, if they met you now and they saw, saw all the fruit that the Lord is producing from your life, I think they would be really surprised. Like, wow, because it just, if, if someone met you now, they would think, oh, wow, she's perfect. She's got it together. Look at all the, she's written all these books. You know, your resume shows one thing, but then to say, wow, you know, you serve a God of redemption who has really taken all that brokenness and set you both on a path of ministry. And it is amazing Amen. after two decades of ministry, I mean, to remain faithful, it is truly the grace of God because we see so many not, not staying the course. And so you're also the mom of four girls. Now you're in a season of life where, cause you married so young. I mean, yes. your girls are grown. They're pretty big, right? Yeah, they are. And so something else. So we have three biological daughters and one adopted daughter and our adopted daughter came into our family last when she was 12. Hey, wow. So she is now 25 and she's actually married to a young man in the army and they actually already have two kids. So Courtney, I am also no. a grandmother. Yes, my, <laughs> my granddaughter's three and my grandson is one. And so, and I'm 44. So we just tell people, you know, this is life in the fast lane. We're just kind of sprinting through it. Um, and it, you know, all of it has been a surprise and all of it has been a joy. So yeah, one's 25, one's in college, one's a senior in high school, one's a sophomore in high school. That's amazing. You and I are, are very similar in age too, but I married a little bit later. I didn't start having kids until later. So it's so interesting because my youngest is four. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I cannot believe you have grandchildren. <laughs> I can't either, <laughs> but I do. So amazing though. Well, one of our big things at Women at Work is following the Lord in all seasons of life. And so here you are, you've been faithful through all these seasons and he's still carrying you through and calling you to, to do good work, even in this season. So I think that's really fascinating. 
Okay, so we have learned a little about you. Um, like I said, we were thrilled for you to come on and be a part of the Women in Work book. So what aspects of you, you know, you said you had been following Women in Work for a little bit. What What is it that excites you when you think about the topic even of Women at Work? And why does that really kind of get you jazzed up? Yeah. So when we moved back to the U.S., um, there was a series of conferences and books being published and just a lot going on in the women in work realm, the, the secular women in work realm. Um, and a lot of it was dressed up in Christian clothing and, um, you know, sort of Christian phrases, sort of a hashtag blessed placed upon these secular resources. And so I think coming back from overseas and seeing my peers, my friends immersed in a context that can constantly told them, you know, go get them. You are enough. They would go to these conferences and just get hyped and they would read these books and just, you know, really get their adrenaline coursing, feel very excited about their future, what they were going to take on this week or this month or this year. Um, but it was all very me focused, very self focused. Um, and not necessarily in a bad way, you know, somebody wants to hear, I'm cheering for you. You got this, you know, go get them like those slogans and things that we say to each other aren't necessarily wrong, but what I could see even from other overseas and what I could see when I got here is that those things were really falling short because they were calling women to rely on themselves and women were burning out, you know, a week after the conference was over a month after the book was read, um, a few weeks after she had listened to the podcast or whatever the cheering was that got her going to begin with, I would see this consistent repeated pattern that then it would fall short and women were feeling burnt out and like a failure because they couldn't keep applying what they had learned at that conference or whatever. And so um, just looking at it, I felt like I could diagnose, you know, the issue here is you and I are not self-made, but the materials that you've been ingesting tell you that you are, and you aren't actually enough, but that conference speaker said you were. And so I just had a burden for women. I wanted to speak into that and say, guess what? it's good news that we're not self-made. We're actually God made and he is enough and he will sustain you. And that's, that's really my passion is that women would know they have a God who created them and died to save them and he will sustain them. You are spot on with the culture that women hear. We still hear this message so much. We feel it within us, the desire, the motivation to really accomplish something, to be productive. And I remember probably back in 2015, um, I started a blog around that time and, and my own self just trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? And I specifically remember the Instagram world. Do you remember the phrase? Uh, she believed she could. So she did. Do you remember <laughs> yes, that? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> that was the most inspiring quote to me, right? Oh, mm -hmm. she believed she could. So she did it. But again, those kind of quotes le really leave you hanging like, because you, as much as you want to do it, even if you believe you can, like you really have to not trust in yourself. You have to really trust in the Lord and then he will empower you. Right. And so Jen, a lot of your, um, what you actually share in the book has to do with this very topic. I loved your chapter. Um, so helpful and encouraging. Can you tell everybody um, what the chapter of your book is and uh, kind of the problem you address? Yeah, absolutely. So the chapter is called, you are what you do. Or are you? That's so, right. You know, we always, when we start conversations with anybody, and again, this this is not wrong. I do it as well. But what is the first thing we say to each other when we meet each other? Oh, 
oh, hi, my name's Jen. What do you do? And um, I think it's just subconscious, but it permeates our thinking. It permeates our culture. Uh, we think we are what we do. We are so, our identity is so closely aligned with the work that we do. And again, work is good and it's God ordained. Obviously I think that, or I wouldn't have contributed to a women in work book. Um, but I think it's so easy to sort of cross that line from living by and for the Lord, by his energy and power and strength mm -hmm. and for his glory. And for me, I experience this all the time. You just cross that line just a little bit. And all of a sudden you are placing your own identity and value and worth with what you have produced, what you've been able to accomplish. And you feel like your identity is only as good as your titles or your status in life. And I think this is something we all do just because it's the cultural air that we breathe. And so really writing for myself, speaking to myself, and then speaking to my friends and loved ones, my daughters, I wanted this chapter to just be a corrective that it's not true. You are not what you do. You are created in the image of God by him and for him. And there is immeasurable and infinite dignity and worth and value in that for every single human being. What we actually produce has nothing to do with our identity or our value. You said it so well. I was going to quote um, a couple of uh, sentences that you wrote in the book. You said, like so many in the West, because you were talking about living in the East um, when you were serving overseas, like so many in the West, I am prone to equating my worth with what I can do. We subconsciously believe that the value our, of our lives is measured in the productivity of our days. We want to make a difference, to leave a mark, to point to a list of accomplishments that validates our existence. Man, don't we just feel that so much. Do you see... Um, do you mainly see this lived out sort of in the hustle culture or are there some other ways you see women striving and striving? I feel like it's, it's the highs and lows, you know, it's, I accomplished this. So there's a sense of, wow, I did that. Look at me, you know, or it's the sinking almost of, I, I couldn't do it. The failure, the shame. How are you kind of seeing that with women? Yeah, I think it is in every space that we are in. I think it's in the home where we who work in the home, feel it if our kids aren't turning out a certain way or if we're not making a certain kind of mm -hmm. baby food or decorating a certain way or hosting enough or clean enough. Um, it feels like our work is never done and we've never quite arrived, even when we're in the comfort of our own home. I think we feel that as students, even, you know, we're not in enough clubs or we're not getting in good enough grades. Um, we need more accolades or scholarships or whatever. I think we feel it in the workplace as well, whether our work is in, you know, white collar or blue collar. It's just it, it is part of our cultural DNA to feel like we are only as valuable as what we produce. And so I think most of us make our to-do list for the day, for the month, for the year. And I think we usually are overambitious and don't quite get them done. And then we feel like we have somehow failed. Um, and so I have to say this to myself all the time and encourage other women as well. We are not what we do. Now, certainly our God is a creator and our God works and he is busy and he, we're made in his image. And so we're called to those things as well. Um, but we have to stop ourselves from saying that that's our value. You know, we do those things for his glory. We steward what he's given, given us so that we can make much of him. But that's different than thinking my value is worth what I can do. You know, just as you were sharing those examples of women in the home or students, you know, making these lists, we can accomplish it because you're exactly right. I mean, my to-do list is so, I mean, I actually, 
I actually made a list of all the tasks on my plate to try to organize it and get my calendar straight for the new year. And it honestly was so validating to me because I had been feeling so overwhelmed. And when I listed out every single thing, it was like, oh my gosh, no human being can actually accomplish this. And it just, it lifted the burden. And I was also just thinking of how the Lord must feel for, for these women bogged down in that disappointment of them, their own lives, you know, and I, that's part of the reason I had a heart for, to start women in work is because I just believe he loves our listeners so much. And his heart is not to see us weighed down in what we can't accomplish, but rather to just know him, rest in him, experience the joy of his presence every day. And I just don't think the Lord, I, it, I feel like the Lord's probably heartbroken that his women are just walking around here defeated. Yeah. I mean, we were created to run on the fuel of Jesus. We were not created to be self-made. And so, you know, I I think of the Lord's words, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We will not find rest outside of a relationship with Jesus. You know, that deep soul rest of being able to say, okay, I am who he made me to be. And I will do these things by his power and for his glory. There's so much rest in that versus I've got to set out today and prove who I am. And, you know, the apostle Paul says, when we are weak, that is when we are strong. You know, the Lord calls us to lives of meekness and weakness so that we know that we are finite and he is infinite. And then he, his glory shines through us as we lean on him and rest in who he is. That's right. And then I feel like there's going to be at least one woman out there (laughs) listening to this who is a strong type A, she can get a lot done. She is very efficient, right? But even if you do check off all those things, you still cannot count. Your worth still is not validated by your accomplishments, even if you do complete it, right? I mean, we can't base our worth off of the good or the bad. Um, Yeah. The reality is it's never enough. And I think we've probably all tasted that, you know, the days where the to-do list does get done or we earn the degree or we raise the kids and send them out or we, you know, climb the corporate ladder. I think we've all tasted success on some level and then felt like this didn't really deliver. This is not actually what I thought it would be. This is not filling my soul the way that I thought it would. And again, that is because that that place is only for the Lord, our sustenance and our joy and just everlasting hope and freedom comes from him abiding in him. And we so often want to replace that with work and what we can do. And it just, it won't work because that's not how we were created. Right. Right. So is there any personal story or a time you can really look back at like maybe one instance that was, you really saw the Lord teaching you this. um, And then how did you kind of come on the other side of that? Yeah. You know, one thing that I think of is I had three birth children and throughout my pregnancies, I was extremely sick and bedridden for all three of them. And so I was really brought to a place of being unable to do anything, unable to produce anything, unable to write an email, to make a phone call, Mm -hmm. um, to do anything that sort of counted for something in my eyes. Um, you know, I remember after I had my first one, then there was a second one and you know, the next one. So they, I would just open up a box of Cheerios and be like, oh, no. watch Dora the Explorer and eat Cheerios because I cannot do anything and just feeling like useless and a failure and also self-pity. 
Um, and what really spoke to me and helped me in those moments actually was reading biographies of other women, specifically Christian women, um, and some missionary biographies, but just women who knew the Lord and abided in him. And so that really helped me just recenter my thoughts as I, as I looked at these lives of these other women and how the Lord sustained them and ministered to them and through them as they served him in their difficult context, just being reminded by the, Jesus and other women. Um, and that really lifted me out in those seasons. I can remember very clearly turning those pages and just my mind being renewed and my eyes being fixed back on Jesus rather than on myself. Such a beautiful phrase, my mind being renewed. Goodness, that is the work of the Spirit in our lives through the Word and through these witnesses of these other women. Well, as you were talking about feeling useless, I was even just thinking about people with disabilities who physically aren't able to produce, right? And we don't look at them and think they're worthless at all. They bear the image of God and have inherent dignity and value as well. And so, again, I feel like it just proves the point of no matter what you can actually do or not do, you are still made in God's image and are useful to Him um, just by existing, (laughs) just by existing. (laughs) And then even more so being in Christ when we have His righteousness. Well, all of this really makes me think about um, a couple of verses I love in Philippians 2 that I feel like kind of show both sides of the coin, if you will. Mm -hmm. This is Paul writing to the Philippians, and he says, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I I love thinking about that because he's saying, listen, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come to you, but either way, if I'm coming or if I'm not, you work hard. Work out your salvation with fear. Do what you know to do. But guess what? On the flip side of that, it's not just you. God is working in you both to will and to work. So how do you think through? Because this is, we can't just lay around and do nothing if God's called us to something, right? I mean, we have to get busy and get the work done. So how do you think through kind of that balancing act of working and resting? And then how does that even affect how you schedule your calendar? Um, yeah, that's such a good question. And I think it's a a daily tension for me. And for those of us that are thinking about this, it's just, it's something that we have to constantly be revisiting, but yeah, you know, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he says, for this, I toil with all of Christ's energy in me. So just like what he wrote to the Philippians, like there is work and there is effort required, but it's Christ in me who is accomplishing it. So I think about it this way. The Lord has bestowed on you and me certain gifts and skills and callings and circumstances. Acts chapter 17 says the Lord has determined when and where we would each live. So what I have in terms of my health, my education, my home, my children, all that I have, the breath in my lungs is from the Lord. And he asks me to steward those things for his glory. So there is a stewardship element, absolutely a call to faithfulness. We have to be faithful to the Lord. He didn't give us these things so that we can sit around and enjoy them for ourselves. He gave us these things so that we can love him and love others. So the question that I have to ask myself is, am I being faithful? Am I stewarding the circumstances and the resources that the Lord has given me? But then I cannot actually be the one who produces the fruit. I'm called to be faithful, but it's the Lord who must be fruitful. It's the Lord who will do what he wills with my effort, with my efforts. So, you know, the books that I write may sell a lot or they may not. They may speak to a certain population or they may not. That's not on me. 
I, I don't, I don't bear the responsibility for what happens with what I've been faithful with. Only God is sovereign and only his will will come to pass. And so I work hard, but then I entrust the results to him. I entrust my family, my community, my church, my words, my podcast, all that he's given me, um, mission field overseas as well. I entrust him with the fruit that he is going to bear from what he's asked me to be faithful with. And so I think it's a both and we are faithful to steward, but then we trust him to produce the fruit. Jen, that is so encouraging to me. I remember reading several years ago about Sabbath rest and how really that is an act of faith that if you you work hard and then you trust the Lord, okay, well, I'm going to put this down now. And it feels counterintuitive because you want to produce the fruit. You, you feel like yeah. if you're working at it, I can produce that fruit, but it's not. I mean, you have to just be faithful as best you can put it down and we rest. And so how do you think about Sabbath and rest times? Yeah. You know, it's tricky because my kids are in high school now, so they're very busy every, you know, obviously Monday through Friday, they're in musicals and they're in sports. And so their weekends are full as well. And then my husband's a pastor and I'm in full-time women's ministry. So our weekends are not restful either. Um, and so it's looked different, you know, over the years when we lived overseas, the whole family took Monday off together and we could go to the beach and just enjoy a day off as a whole family on Monday. But that is no more. That season of life is gone. So now my husband and I take off Thursdays together and we just, we rest on Thursdays and his office is at home. My office is at home. Our work life balance is crazy because our lives are our work, you know? So, but on Thursdays, we just say, we're not going to check the email. We're not going to take the phone calls. Um, we're going to close it all down. And in, it's winter right now as we're talking. So we go skiing in the winter. We just head up to the mountains. Um, but in the summer we head hiking or we do whatever. We just take slow days, but we really have to guard Thursdays. Um, and something else that I'm not quite as good at, I haven't, I haven't strengthened this muscle quite enough yet, but is just going to bed at 10 PM. Just, you know, you're done. You don't need to go check one more time. You don't need to go add one more thing. Right. Um, put your work down when the kids come home from school, be with the kids and then go to bed on time. We need rest. God made us to need sleep. So I need to do that. Exactly. That's one of my big goals for the new year is just go to bed, go to bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. I feel like when you have little kids, I, that's how I got into the, to the habit of staying up. It's like, Oh, I'm going to work while they sleep. But now I'm just like, no. Okay. Um, so how do you, you might've already kind of shared a little bit about this, but let's say that you enter into a project and you start out, you know, with your mindset, right? You're trusting the Lord. You're really working in the power of his spirit. You're really thinking, um, this is for the Lord. And then somehow in the midst of that project, whether it's writing or scheduling for a podcast, um, you begin to realize you're doing it in your own strength, or maybe you're feeling some anxiety. Is this going to happen? And, and, oh, I've got to do this and this to make sure this goes well, like I want it to. When you're in that moment, um, how do you kind of recenter and shift back to, wait a minute, I either already blew it and the project's over, or in that very moment, how are you then renewing your mind? What are you telling yourself to get yourself back on track? Yeah, there is, I have noticed over the years that for me, kind of a light on the dashboard, if you will, a light on the dashboard of my life is when I am working hard and I start to feel bitter or resentful, you know, start, mm. I start to think like, do people even know what I'm doing? You know, I'm working so hard. Are they working hard? Cause I'm working hard right. and I start to sort of like tally up my own points and just, it, I just become so self-absorbed and it's awful. Um, but when I feel that like 
you know, it's whether it's anxiety or fear of man, but it kind of bubbles up on the surface for me as like anger, resentment toward others, which is so ugly. But that feeling has really been helpful to me because that's when I know like, oh, you are off the rails. And so I have to stop and just confess that to the Lord. Um, One thing that has been really practical and helpful to me is that I've always had an accountability group. I've always had one or two or three other women that I meet with every week and we confess into one another and we share what we're struggling with. And then we hold each other accountable and exhort each other throughout the week. How are you doing? You know, check in with each other on that. And so in the moment, I definitely have to turn to the Lord, but also take it. I try to take it one step further and then make sure I tell these ladies in my life so that it's something they can really be checking in with me on. And I can be you know, bringing it to the Lord more quickly um, in the next week. I think that's great. And in your chapter, you actually give five other examples, not just of what you just said, but five other examples of how to do this practically. So our women are definitely going to want to read that section of your chapter. Um, so I do want to talk about some practical things of just how you get things done, Jen. You are doing a lot, right? I mean, you're speaking, you're traveling, you're podcasting, you're writing, you're serving at your church, you're engaging with your local community, you're raising these children, even though they are a little bit older. Are there some practical, even tools? And I ask you this just personally, because I need help. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out how to categorize life in such a way where, you know, I'm sure our women are feeling this as well, just the overwhelming nature that we've already talked about. So how trying to be more faithful, you know, just trying to use possibly resources or tools that the Lord has allowed to exist at this time and space, you know, that we live in, um, to help us be faithful. Have you found anything that has been helpful to you? Yeah, there is one tool that my husband and I have been using our whole marriage and our whole life in ministry that is really, really helpful to me. Now I will say, I know that all of our schedules ebb and flow so much. I mean, I feel like you get into a new rhythm and three weeks later you have to change it because the baby's nap schedule has changed or, you know, your class schedule has changed or your, your corporation has changed in some way. I mean, you get into a rhythm and then undoubtedly it changes. So what I have used for honestly more than 20 years, and I still use today, it's so helpful is it's kind of twofold. The first part is I will map out what to me looks like an ideal week. So I will literally print out a one page calendar with my hour slots, you know, for the day, Monday through Sunday. And then I will, you know, pray about it and ask the Lord, what do you have for me this week? I'll look at the commitments that are, you know, non-movable and I will, I will really put out what I want to be doing every hour that week. Um, I know it sounds tedious, but a lot of things are blocks, you know, so it's not as tedious as it sounds, but you know what I want to be doing on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday evening. And I do that for the whole week. And so I know what to expect. I'm preparing myself for what's ahead, where the free time is or isn't. And making sure that it's built in, that rest is built in, that I'm taking a lunch, that I'm going to sleep on time. And then what has really helped me, especially more recently is I'll have that, but then I'll print a blank one and then I'll actually fill in what I did that day. So as I'm going, it's on my desk and I'm like, okay, well, from nine to 10, I spoke to Courtney from 10 to 11. I did this, you know, and so it does two things. One it keeps me accountable to myself and I can share it with my husband and my friends. And it shows like, was I actually on task or was I scrolling social media? Right. Did I check out? Cause I was stressed. And so I just procrastinated and blew off the morning. Um, so it keeps me accountable, 
But another thing that it does is it also shows me when I've worked eight hours that day, nine, 10, 12 hours that oh day, goodness, right. and I can really just stop, like, just stop. You worked enough today, put it away. It's, it's fine. Um, so that ideal week and then the, the week in reality and kind of comparing those and adjusting them has been very helpful to me. That is genius. I'm so glad I asked that question <laughs> because so a lot of times I will, I will. So I've begun using, um, just Google Calendar. You can actually add mm-hmm. tasks to Google Calendar. And so I'll put it in, I'll put the task in the time I'm hoping to, you know, uh, commit to that task. But I think the genius of your plan is then going back and saying, what did I actually do? Because I can want to do this, but how am I actually spending my time? And it's always shocking to see, oh my gosh, I just blew 30 minutes doing this out of the other. And it's like, what that was not productive and complete waste of time. <laughs> But yeah. even if you built in, like you said, even if you built in, okay, I'm going to take 10 minutes. And I'm going to scroll Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. um, just yeah, allow yourself in. that. So you don't feel like you're mm-hmm. doing being unproductive or whatever. So I think, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Have you ever tried using um, spread a spreadsheet to do that? Like a Google spreadsheet? Yeah. I, I haven't used a Google one, but I definitely, it's like an Excel or a yeah. numbers on Mac. Yeah. But I definitely use a spreadsheet every time. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Jen, as we wrap up, what is one piece of advice you would leave with women who want to honor God through their vocational calling? I think that my encouragement to all women listening, whatever their vocational calling is and whatever stage of life they're in is to truly rest in the Lord. When, when you hear Jesus say, come to me, all who need rest, take him at his word. He is delighted in you. He looks at what you're doing and he is he is pleased with your faithfulness. Um, so just trusting that exchange. We exchanged our sin for Jesus's righteousness. And the Father looks on us and he is delighted with who you and I are. So I just want to encourage every listener to rest in who Christ is and who he's made them to be and know that the Lord is working in unseen places and he will produce the fruit that he's after. Amen. That just gives me peace hearing you say that. Just trusting him. I'm already accepted. He already loves me. Amen. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for writing and being a part of the Women in Work book. And um, just as we'll have a link to our book in the show notes, we'll also link to all of your previous things that you've written as well, because we want our women to definitely find you um, and be encouraged by all the work that God has called you to. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Courtney. I'm so thankful for Women in Work. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Pre-order your copy of our book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work at the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time tax-deductible donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that as well so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.